Today's episode is brought to you by AOS Kitchens, the South's leading outdoor kitchen design and installation specialists. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Meet and Greet Barbecue podcast. Today we are with the barbecuing and baking legend Sue Stillman to talk about all things baking. Not only does she have a collection of barbecues to rival Owens, but she uses it for baking as well as barbecue. Uh, we talk about things like brownies, cakes, pavlovas. If you follow Sue's advice, there's not much that you can't do on a barbecue. So without much further ado, here's Sue. Hi Sue, welcome to the Meet and Greet Barbecue podcast, lovely to have you with us, how are you doing today? I'm really well thank you, haven't fired up today but you know always wanting to get outside and fire one of my barbecues up. Are you uh, twitching because you haven't managed to fire it up today, something like withdrawal symptoms? Not as bad as um, Danny's, yeah. Yeah, I know. Uh, it's, it, it, I was saying to Sue, it's been eight days since I've been at the barbecue. And eight days. I, I, like, even talking about it now, my skin's crawling and I'm feeling a little a little bit shaky. You know, sometimes things get in the way, but I, I bought four kilos of chicken breasts the other day and I was like, I, I want to do, like, as many different chicken cooks as I could. Do you think they've left my freezer? No. Not not at all. Um, that's part of the fun, isn't it? Once you decide you can do it, I'm going to go absolutely mad on those chicken breasts for yeah. different different things and ideas. But um, for anyone who doesn't know Sue, do you want to introduce yourself and say exactly who you are and what you do? Okay, um, I'm more of a home cook, but I've sort of fallen into outdoor cooking on my barbecues and since having um, my first barbecue, which was the Kamado Joe, I've taught myself how to sort of bake in it as well. So I've learned to use it like an outdoor oven. So for me, I want to show people that you can actually cook anything outside on a barbecue that's got a lid. Mm. And, and then I've also learned to cook bread and cakes and, you know, a pavlova even is possible and an apple pie. Um, so yeah, um, and that's what I do. And that's exactly why we wanted to get you on the podcast. Obviously, we've been following you for a while. We've seen you at Sizzle Fest. We've we've seen some of the amazing bakes that you've done on on your range of commandos, I believe. Um, so we just obviously wanted to talk to you and spend this time just to talk about all things baking, which is a first for us on the podcast um, obviously you know you would traditionally talk about your briskets or whatever but yeah. I think to have an, an episode to, dedicated to bakery is is actually really really exciting for us great so what, um, what got what got you into baking first and foremost before we get into barbecue um I just love cooking and I used to work at a primary school and we had a, a farm well some um, raised beds and a, and a polytunnel and I used to cook with the children and we sold, you know, produce and we cooked with what we grew and sold that. And with what we what money we raised, we bought a chicken coop and some chickens. So we always had eggs. So we, we baked a lot and I always baked a lot at home anyway. And then just thought, you know what, I think you can bake in a barbecue and when I had a bit of pork shoulder cooking on sort of one side of the of the grills I thought hey I'm gonna stick a loaf of bread on the other side and see what happens 
And the very first loaf of bread I baked, um, it got a burnt bottom. <laughs> even though it was um, in direct cooking, um, the temperature was about 180 degrees centigrade. And obviously, I was still getting to learn that the dome temperature is actually cooler than your grill temperature because mm-hmm. the heat's coming up from underneath. So you're in the Kamado Joe, your your dome thermometer reads lower than the temperature on your grills. And because I thought, oh, so I, I did, I think, raise the temperature because when you would cook bread in a domestic oven, you want it sort of 180, 200 degrees C. Yeah. So I think I raised, raised the temperature a bit and put the bread in and it had a burnt bottom. So <laughs> then my, my best baking tip I can give you is to put an upturned baking tin on top of your grill and then whatever you're baking be it a apple pie or you know your, your local bread or your cake it just raises your um your your tray that you're baking in a little bit higher up from the grill and deflects the, the heat a little bit more so you don't get a burnt bottom straight away with the tips i love it because i've spoken a few times on this podcast that i keep meaning to do much more baking on there because it's something that's different that's exciting and i mean i've done pizzas on there you can't call that baking at all really well, obviously a higher temperature yeah <laughs> but um because you've got the you have the pizza stone with it and i was reading about different ideas i know i'd read about putting a deflector in then the pizza stone then anything on top to kind of give yourself that that double barrier but it's good to hear that if people don't have that equipment you can use other items to just kind of raise you up in the dome yeah is there a kind of depth that you would advise is it like a Um, bread tin it's about two centimeters two and a half centimeters you have to be careful that you don't raise it up too high, especially if it's in the junior, because uh, when you close the lid, and a mistake I did make myself, um, raised it up a, too, a bit too high, and I think I was cooking some chocolate brownies. I was demoing, actually, at an, an event, and um, the thermometer from the, the junior lid actually went in my chocolate brownies. <laughs> so of course, it was measuring the temperature of the inside of the brownies and I, I kept looking at it thinking why isn't the temperature you know why why hasn't the temperature risen so of course opened up the top vent opened the bottom vent and that temperature still stuck at I don't know 100 and then after 30 minutes I thought it must must be cooked by now or you know what's going on and of course lifted the lid and thought oh it doesn't smell good (laughs) (laughs) the top looked okay so I sort of um it it was an event for the chef's forum or something and so I quickly took it away into the kitchen and scraped the bottom bit off and cut it up and went back out and dished it round (laughs) (laughs) well actually you you've already mentioned brownies so I plan to cook some brownies on the barbecue for the first time uh, this weekend I've got some friends coming up right what's your top tips for I'm I really consider myself a novice baker because I like to just I don't know chuck ingredients in and just get to the you know get to the flavor I want whereas I think baking you have to be quite precise I'm I have to weigh everything out even myself I'm not like James Martin who just throws (laughs) you know those in the bowl have you made brownies at all ever in a domestic oven never no so have you got a recipe (laughs) 
Uh, yes. Oh, would you like I'm a recipe? Actually, yeah, <laughs> I'm using uh, a chilli chocolate brownie oh, okay. recipe from uh, Marcus Bowden. Okay, so that should work. So, yes, yeah, so follow that recipe and you should be fine. Great. <laughs> what barbecue have you got? What are you going to cook it in? Uh, funny enough, I was talking to Dan about this today. I was thinking the Traeger. Mm -hmm. However, I think I want a bit more of a charcoal-y, smoky flavour. So I'm thinking maybe the Weber Kettle or the Broil, okay. uh, or the Broil King Keg. Okay. Now I've cooked an apple pie in a Weber, so and I had the, the the charcoal over one side, well, in yeah. the little corner of it, and then put your brownies over the opposite side. And okay. then you might want to turn it around halfway through cooking, just just to even up the the cooking in the brownies. And again, would you would you recommend? That, that um, kind of lift off the grill? I don't think I did because the heat isn't going to be underneath. It's going to be at the side. Mm, okay. So I, I, don't, I don't think you'll need it in that. Great. I'm really looking forward to it. I'll tell you how good or bad okay. they turn out. <laughs> so, Sue, um, you do a lot of baking. What was your total kind of barbecue setup that you have at home? Okay, so I started off with my Kamado Joe Classic. And then I think my next one was the Asuros, a T1. Mm -hmm. um, and then I, I used to do a bit of cold smoking. I did that in the Classic and I didn't like emptying it with charcoal every time I did some cold smoking. So I bought the Asuros Smoker, the S1, which is a you know great little you know, smoker for your home use. And then I got Kamado Joe Jr. just so I can take it on holiday and down to the beach, all 30 kilos of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, what else have I got? I've got a Kadai fire pit, which I use, to be honest, more as a fire pit, but is, it is fun to cook on, but it's a different kind of cooking. It, it needs babysitting and mm -hmm. everything takes longer to cook on it and you must be there watching it and lighting the fire and stoking the fire. So that's a bit more challenging, but fun. Yeah. It, it does look very exciting though, using that, because I mean, I was looking on your Instagram and you did that chicken that was raised above and yes. that looks, that looked absolutely phenomenal. We're just inviting people over to watch it cook. Like, how is, I how wish is I'd that? been sitting there with a nice chilled glass of um, Sauvignon Blanc watching <laughs> it cook, but I was, it's the first time I cooked anything like that. And I was sort of popping in and out the house and it was a bit of a, it was a sunny day, but I didn't think I could spend all day outside watching that chicken cook. <laughs> but uh, for a summer cook, that would be nice if you had friends round and watch it cook. That would be good. But it took about three and a half hours, I think, to cook a chicken. That's what I was going to ask. What, what was the learning process like kind of running through that? And what were you expecting to happen compared to what actually happened? Well, because the heat was coming all from underneath, um, the top remained cold. Right. So, um, but that little cage I had meant you could actually turn it, Flip it upside down and around. But then, of course, every time you turned the hot, side from the bottom to the top that cooled down so I did have um my meter in it to help me 
just to make sure the inside was cooked, um, which was a helpful guide. And I still use my thermopen as well because it cooled down really quickly. And then if you had charcoal directly underneath, um, the juices drip down and if you've got a flare up, it was, you know how flames discolour food rather than? Yeah. yeah. So, um, so I then like made a little well so that if it did drip, it didn't, I didn't get the flare ups. But um, if you're out there all the time, you, you can see that and you can, you know, maybe spray the coals a bit more or you know spray the chicken but yeah it was a, it was a learning process but the chicken was super juicy and really tasty beautiful beautiful and then i've got a few other um barbecues <laughs> i've got a pk original um which i, I won um i've got a gosney rock box um and i've got an alfresco chef ember pizza oven um, wow, we've got a collection, so... I've got a few in the shed, which I don't think have come out of the box, that we used to have for, like, camping holidays. But mm -hmm. um, that's about it, I think. So, but back onto baking, you have all of those different barbecues, and I know you said you kind of bake across the lot of them. Do you have a go-to you tend to go to more than others? It'll be my Kamado Joe, because it, it's just rock-solid, even temperature. Mm. Uh, that'll be the one I go to every time. And what, what's your kind of favourite cook to do on there, baking-wise? Baking, um, focaccia and chocolate brownies. It's hard to kind of argue with those things. Um, so when it comes to bread and you do all different types of bread, was it very much kind of like a learning curve when you first started? And also you talked about kind of the dome and the temperature differences. Yeah. Is there a way of finding that out if, you, if you're starting to learn or is there a rough um, guide? Yeah, it's um, I tend to if you were following a recipe that you were going to cook in your domestic oven, mm. I would probably cook it 20 degrees lower. Mm -hmm. but cook it for longer right um and it doesn't color so much on the top because of because of that um so maybe near the end of cooking you just raise the temperature a little bit but but sometimes it does color nicely I, I, it doesn't always it's not always the same but um it doesn't it won't look like it won't be as colourful, if you know what I mean. It won't be as golden, but yeah. you know it doesn't matter. I do sometimes turn the bread upside down, just to give it a bit more colour. But you can't always do that with a cake, <laughs> <laughs> like a flan or something, and it just all like falls yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. And do you find actually just in what you were saying there about having to cook it slightly under? temperature and for, for longer and perhaps yeah. the coloration do you find that it's quite difficult to gain consistency then with your cook so if you did two apple pies for example they may look on the surface completely different uh, they should be okay yeah both both in this barbecue at the same time yeah, yeah they should be they should cook evenly i think <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the joy of barbecue, right? It does feel different every time and there's a bit more skill um, in doing that. Um, I know even looking away from kind of baking, it's all dependent on kind of 
understanding temperature using thermometers and rather than cooking to time cooking to temps and checking things regularly um but i'd always be afraid if you were baking if you're opening it too often and kind of losing that regular temperature mm. and it affecting the rise it's quite forgiving actually because i thought that but um as long as you lift the lid slowly um you know it, it's been okay i haven't had any um failures Apart from a burnt chocolate brownies, but that wasn't because I opened the lid. <laughs> and is there anything in particular that is a lot more difficult baking wise to, to do on a barbecue and a bit more of a challenge and flair to get away with? Um, I wouldn't call it a challenge, but the, the pavlova is a stunner of a dish to to cook. Actually, you can you can make it look quite pretty and it. For me, I think it's a very easy dessert to, to cook on a barbecue. Do, do you ever use uh, wood, you know, actually like flavouring with like, you know, obviously you'd smoke your meats and that type of thing. Do you ever use the woods to kind of infuse desserts? Uh, not a lot. I think if you've got good quality charcoal, um, I used to tend to just like that flavour. So that doesn't actually impart a lot in cakes because that, that's what some people ask me you know did, did my brownies taste of you know smoke but they didn't really um mm. but I do I missed out actually barbecue I've got a kettle joe as well um so and I and because that's got the slow roller so that is ideal for smoking and so I have started actually using a bit of cherry if I cook some duck breasts or some salmon um Oh, I think I did a goose goose breast recently with a bit of cherry. So at the minute, I'm liking the cherry wood. Mm. So yeah, it's, know, it's, was never it's a, such a lovely colour, doesn't it? Yes, yeah. So I'm I'm just beginning to sort of like smoked foods, but I know I only like a little bit, and I know that you only put on like one chunk. And with the baking that you're doing on the barbecues are they primarily sweet bakes or are you are you actually doing a fair amount of savory as well um a bit of both really um bread um you know focaccia um brioche buns sausage rolls turn out really well and a great way of using up you know your brisket or your pulled pork um, or just, you know, using your favourite sausages and taking the sausage meat out of the skins, you know, using them differently. Um, you know, you name it, I'll try and cook in it. <laughs> <laughs> Great attitude. <laughs> and you I am... Um... Uh, all I was going to say was um, I was looking back on your Instagram and I saw the Burns Night cook that you, you did or the tribute to and the haggis sausage rolls and things. They just looked fantastic. Yeah, well, haggis is quite dry in itself. Mm -hmm. And um, so if you mix it with sausage meat, it actually works quite well and you know, again adds another flavour. Mm. You mentioned right at the beginning when we first started talking around, I think you were doing an event. Um, at the t I can't remember. Yeah, you were saying that you were yeah. doing some events. Um, and obviously, again, we saw you do some demonstrations at Sizzle Fest last year. It, is that now, is, is that kind of, do you do quite a lot of that? Do you do demonstrations? And I haven't, since, since lockdown, I haven't. 
Um, but I've just started doing a few uh, um, courses at Marcus's um, barbecue school. And he said we met at Sizzle Fest. And um, I've got a class coming up at the end of this month. I'm doing a, a sort of a baking class in Southampton, which I'm really looking forward to. Great. And is that kind of the hope for you for 2022 to get on and do more kind of dem live demonstrations and show people how to bake on the barbecue? I'll do a few, but I, I've obviously got to juggle my own work with with what I do. So, um, so we'll just see how, how it goes, really. And am I right in saying that you've also, con I might have got this wrong, so apologies if I have. Haven't you also contributed to the barbecue mag? I have since quite early on when Marcus, it was all online. Yeah. And um, he, he messaged me and said, would I like to, you know, do a recipe or two? So I have, and now, now it's gone into a printed version. So um, I actually have just sent off, um, and I always try and do a savoury and a dessert in there because not many people do desserts so I won't do what I've cooked but I've cooked two dishes for the um the spring issue which I think comes out beginning of March so, that must be a lot of fun to do it is because um it has to you know it's nice to do a seasonal recipe and I always try and do something that I haven't done before and it normally involves wine <laughs> <laughs> the source of inspiration yeah, so they, they, they both involve red wine this month, funnily enough, that is uh, and the main course. <laughs> and when you've obviously said that, you know, you're contributing, you're giving, you know, recipes over sweet and savoury, what, where do you normally find inspiration for, for, for those recipes? They just pop up or often the time of year I, I will look to see what, what's out and it's a, it was rhubarb is normally you know available this time but I, I'm sure I did rhubarb last year so I thought I can't do rhubarb again yeah I, or, or I, I do get the um, a couple of food magazines and I might get some inspiration from a recipe I've seen in there, but obviously then I'll adapt it to to suit the barbecue and change a few ingredients and try it out to see if it works first. And then I'll probably cook it again. And then because you've got to take pictures and and that, which takes a bit of time, but it's actually quite fun. And it's best to do it in the daylight rather than at night because the light, although I've got lights outside, you get shadows and and that so and then I've you know you've got, I've got my hessian cloth I might use or you know a few little props but uh, and then you have a dedicated back, studio soon and you come back inside and like your kitchen's like a bomb site because you've got various plates and bits and pieces out but it's good fun if you've been looking or thinking about an outdoor kitchen then look no further than AOS Outdoor Kitchens they are the South's leading outdoor kitchen design and installation specialists. Their extensive showroom is based just outside Bournemouth on the Dorset Hampshire border and as well as numerous in-store displays also features a live outdoor kitchen where they cook every week on Kamado grills, pizza ovens and all filmed and shown on YouTube. 
They offer a wealth of knowledge on how to transform your patio into the most incredible outdoor dining area with styles and options to suit every budget. And you can guarantee they will be able to create something perfectly suited to you and your home. They stock and supply everything that you're going to need for outdoor cooking, including barbecues, Kamado ovens, pizza ovens, outdoor fridges, and every accessory that you would need to become the ultimate outdoor chef. So if you want to make yourself the envy of your friends and neighbours, get in touch with them today to arrange a consultation and take the first step in transforming your back garden into the most incredible entertainment space. Visit aoskitchens.co.uk. You said that the whole point of kind of the barbecue or when you originally going to it was to prove that you can cook anything and everything kind of on a barbecue. Do you see that as a challenge? And is, is there anything in your site at the moment that maybe you haven't gone near or, or you think would transfer particularly well to barbecue and even improve it compared to in a conventional oven? Uh, I keep thinking about trying a creme brulee and working out how I can get the top crispy and i think i just have to use a blowtorch on it <laughs> a blowtorch or what about something like um a lift lighter or like the gosney could you quickly throw it in a gosney or something yeah, if you've yeah, got like yeah, the heat emanating from the top yeah that yeah so yeah have two have two barbecues going at the same time that, that's a good idea actually about when you know when you cook steak and you have you put butter on and then you drop a hot coal on the butter yeah would that work maybe i suppose it needs to be more of a flame doesn't it Yes, yeah, it might sink in. The charcoal that's, might sink that's in. True. But... <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Literally I a charcoal. But I, that's the one dessert I keep thinking I must try. But by lighting the gosney, that should be perfect. Do you have um, something that? I mean, you talked about doing bread a lot, but like a signature mm. for yourself. Like for me, I suppose the most impressive thing that I've done kind of baking wise, I suppose on a barbecue is I'm very proud of my Yorkshire puddings. I've got them nailed now and get them huge rise. And I prefer the extra flavor you get from a barbecue, but do you have something that feels more like a signature for, for yourself that you think you're, you're known for? Signature, um, apple, an apple, nice apple cake, a nice apple cake with cider. It looks pretty. Um, and it's quite easy, you know, apples and a sponge mixture it's nothing too difficult and even I've not mastered my Yorkshire puddings very well it's a they they tend to be a bit brown on the bottom not burnt but brown <laughs> it's um again it's very similar to what you were saying about the um kind of raising it uh, up yeah, so there's not as much stress temperature for the you do I, you also need a lot of space above for them to rise into because i've yeah. made that mistake before as well by raising them up cranking the temperature right the way up again with, with a commando you can get very very high temperatures so yeah. it's e easier to kind of play with that while also still using deflectors mm. um but i mean my my trick um is whisk the eggs and milk together first and get them mega mega frothy before you add the flour i find okay. i get a hell of a lot more rise doing it that way than mixing it all together and whipping up first yeah i think that the batter is the key you know you get yourself a good batter which is going to help with your with your rise and your bake mm. I want Owen to get more into this baking. He's been talking about it for a little while. Oh, and I know he's borderline... He's almost scared of it, I think. <laughs> I, I am. 
And I tell you, I tell you for why. When my daughter was quite young, we got her a baking book, and she she started to take some interest, and she's got her own little barbecue, although she hasn't done it for a little while. So I'm really encouraging her to get into food, and she wanted to make some red velvet cakes. Well, they came out green first and foremost. <laughs> <laughs> and we just had to throw the whole batch away. Mm. I don't know where I went wrong, but they were awful. And what, to, to taste or just the colour? Or both, yeah. Okay. I, I, don't, I just honestly, so I don't know what I did wrong. Oh. And it's kind of, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, scared is not the right word. You've just got to give it a go. And what is nice is when people do message me and say, oh, hey, Sue, I've cooked your whatever, or I've had to go at your apple cake and, and they send a picture of it, you know, it puts a big smile on my face. They've had a go. They've, I've inspired them to make a cake on the barbecue. Good. Yeah, and that, and again, I think that's re a really important message. And what we're trying to do on the, you know, the whole podca podcast as a whole mm. is just obviously inspire people to cook. But if there was one thing that you could say to our, our listeners, mm. you know, if if their next cook was to go try something sweet and dessert-like, what would you say that they should go and try? I'd say have a go at some chocolate brownies. Yeah. Because then you, you don't, doesn't the colour, they're already chocolate colour, so you're not going to worry about them being pale. They're already... What a tip. What a tip. <laughs> it doesn't dark. matter. <laughs> I did try and cook some scones. Uh, on the barbecue. I remember that. Was um, it like Marmite and cheese scones you talked about? Yeah. Yeah, it was a hairy biker's recipe for Marmite and cheese scones. And I think a bit like uh, what you were saying about, uh, I think, your first bread. It was black on the bottom and it didn't kind of rise. I mean, they tasted lovely. Yeah. But they just, they looked like a burnt biscuit, actually. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I've done fruit scones and cheese scones. You yeah. Can. yeah again I think what my mistake was a I probably had a couple of too many beers before I got to it because I was too busy with my scotch eggs and cooking those types of things and then uh yeah I didn't too I didn't two zone it I think I put them too close to the coals and they were stuck to the parchment uh you know the baking right. paper yeah um so I ended up eating baking paper which also wasn't mm. very, very nice have another go I should. I should. Uh, the thing is, as well, though, with with the Traeger, you won't have that same sort of level and problem with the direct heat, and you'll have a bit more control. If you if you were that worried, start off on there and move across, right? I um, <laughs> I feel like it'd be cheating using the Traeger. I don't think so. Are you outside? Are you playing with heat and smoke? then it's yeah. not cheating using the Traeger. No, don't get me wrong. I do love having a Traeger. It's super convenient. And I've been using it quite a lot recently. However, I think I'd like to try and master it on the charcoal. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? That, that would give me a lot sense of achievement, more, more of a sense of achievement, yeah. I think. It'll be more fun. Yeah. I promise you that. Um, should we go on to barbecue bingo, actually? Should we, should we look at setting you a challenge go on then okay so what i'm gonna do is i'll share my screen we'll uh as ever show our wheel of shame actually. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i'll share my screen so basically you should see now a wheel of various ingredients yes, it's very colorful 
It's yep, it does. Um, <laughs> on there, there's my signature dish. I think you said that's for catcher. Yeah. Okay. So if it lands on my signature dish, i.e. your signature dish, we'd we'd get for catcher. Is that right? Okay. And also, the reason I like to call this our wheel of shame is that it lets people know how our brain works, because Owen in particular will sit down and think of things that you think are a little bit different and a little bit interesting, and then will occasionally ask me for something wacky. Um, but some of the items that we've got on there for people listening, we've got jalapeno peppers, we've got pork neck, leg of lamb, pineapple, turkey mints. Cauliflower always excites me because not only is it great to play with, but cauliflower cheese has to be one of the most underrated dishes of all time, in my opinion. Um, and oxtail, but is there anything on there that looks a bit different or a bit intimidating to you? Um, I put my glasses on, I can I can read a bit better. Um, I'm always up for a challenge, mind. Um, pork neck, that's not fillet, is it? What's What's pork neck? Yeah, it's like the, um, I think in America they call it the money muscle, don't they? Uh, it's just um, off the, it's just like off the shoulder okay. at the top. It's, it's almost like a, it is like a fillet, essentially. Okay, yeah. Um, nothing on there that would, um, that would, sh you know, shock me, I don't think. That's good. Are you not allergic to any of those? <laughs> no, no. We have made that mistake before. <laughs> <laughs> Um, um, I've put I've put a sweet pastry. I on saw there. that. Do you do, do you do much with pastry? Um, not really, because you know, barbecue cooking is reasonably healthy as long as you don't have too many of the um, the rich sides that go with it. So um, I am trying to be good. So anything with pastry, I do try to avoid, apart from my sausage rolls. But um, <laughs> that, that sound bite, can I just keep that and play it to my wife over and over again? <laughs> Yes. What, barbecue's healthy. <laughs> yeah, just yeah. that bit over yeah, and over again. Because all the again. fat drips off down into the coals. I mean, Sue, do you just want to come here and talk to my wife for a bit? <laughs> <laughs> she should get her to do a bit of baking on the barbecue. She might like that. Do you know, um, she's always said that she'd give it a go as long as I lit it, which I've got no problem with, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But as soon as I like the barbecue, I'm just, I want to cook on it. <laughs> That's all I want to do. Teamwork. Teamwork. <laughs> She does a great um, apple and cinnamon pie, so I need to get her to try and do that on. Yeah, on, try do it on the barbecue. barbecue. Mm. Right. Yeah, I'll um, yeah, I'll, I'll have a go at any of those. Right, let's give it a spin. Where are we going to land today? Hey, cauliflower. Yeah, I said Ooh. I was excited about that. <laughs> Where has your brain gone to? Have you thought anything straight off the bat? Um. The easiest one, I, one I've done before is like a, a baked cauliflower where you sort of cover it in butter and herbs and actually wrap it in tinfoil. But that, you know, you, there's not much skill in that, is there really? Hey, if it tastes good, that's the most important you, you, thing, right? You cut, it, you cut it like a cake. You open it up and it's like steamed in that tinfoil. Um, I've done that before. Um, Cauliflower cheese, you said that, but um, I might have to think of something else. We'll do it multiple sure. ways. Do it like a like a cauliflower tapas from around <laughs> around your brain. <laughs> or wrap it in bacon. Wrap the florets in bacon or something. <laughs> 
Why not? That's Why not? Taste. Everything <laughs> tastes oh, better yeah. with bacon, right? Yeah. Uh, I'll have to put my thinking cap on. Well, another thing that we celebrate on, on this podcast, and you've kind of touched upon it from the start, which we love you. I think you're the first guest to pretty much go straight there is you learn best from barbecue when you make a mistake and fail. That's how you improve trying mm. things and making hiccups. You know, if we got it perfect every time, we wouldn't learn anything from it. No. So um, you've talked about your burnt bread. Are there any other barbecue fails that, you know, can make people feel a bit more comfortable if they mess up, but also that you learned from and taught you something from it? The other night, actually. Yeah. I, uh, used a um, my rotisserie or my thuros for the first time mm -hmm. and I knew you didn't need very much charcoal um, so I I banked a bit of charcoal up at the back and set 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 the chicken on the spit and got the motor going and um, my son was home and my husband said oh you know and they said oh what time's dinner like you do so I thought oh, I'll add a bit more charcoal on so it can cook quicker and then, of course, I came inside and did some other bits and pieces and I had my meter in it. And it was, you know, steadily the internal temperature was rising nicely. And then after an hour, it said, oh, you know, five minutes before the cook's done. And I went outside and it was on fire. <laughs> <laughs> oh, chicken. The end, the end, end bit, which was the opposite end from my probe actually so um the, i did post a picture and i i think in my stories and i put oh it's looking a bit caramelized <laughs> but i didn't post a picture of the um of its bottom on on fire because it, who doesn't want a chicken candle right yeah burnt butt chicken <laughs> or flaming butt chicken i called it i think so yeah did it, i knew did it taste I good I knew it had, it, it wasn't too burnt, the skin, um, and the skin was okay, but the bird was actually really quite moist and juicy inside. So it wasn't, it wasn't a complete failure and the skin was okay, but it just looked, it looked cremated, but it, it wasn't too bad. So, but that's my own fault. I wasn't outside watching it. I knew I put too much charcoal on because I tried to cook it quicker. So oh. I need to do it again. I need to do it again and learn from that mistake. Try and get it all on fire this time. <laughs> <laughs> well, what about you, Owen? Have you had anything recently that, that you're hoping to kind of learn from? Um, I don't think so. Actually, I haven't done a huge amount of um, barbecuing recently, although I did... Do some, I did a brisket on the Traeger and it's not a fail as such, but it was disappointing. Mm. Um, it was the first time I'd used the Traeger for a brisket. Um, it tasted lovely. It was, you know, it had the perfect bend and it was really moist yeah, and pulled apart with ring. a little, no smoke ring. And that was the, it had, it didn't create a bark like it mm. would do when I've done it on, you know, over wood and charcoal. Okay. I didn't get a bark uh, around the outside. I showed a picture to Dan earlier mm. today and he thought it was pastrami at first. Mm. It was really pink on, you know, on the edge. Mm. But when you actually sliced into it, there was no smoke ring. It was, 
So, mm. I, and I see some of these people that use Traegers often mm. and get some really, you know, mm. good smoke, smoke rings. rings. Yeah. yeah. I but must have done something good? wrong. But did it taste good? It did taste good. And that's, I think, yeah. I think we're quite um, critical of our own cooks, aren't <clears> we? Yeah. And it looked beautiful. I mean, from, from a Ben point of view, I mean, being able to do that and the brisket just drops mm. down either side like and it looked juicy as anything. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it looked fantastic. And part of the reason I wanted to bring it up and see if Owen mentioned it is I think he was being far too harsh on himself. And I think, but, I think um, we all are. Yeah. And yeah. again, Owen and I are basically barbecue wives now, I think that's fair to say. Owen never listens to me. <laughs> something like being too harsh on yourself because it looked it looked amazing but i think that's that's part of what we're here to talk about people are so harsh on themselves when they cook the amount of times that we cook something we're not happy with it but the people eating it mm. not only destroy it they wish there was more i, I think that's not, you know yeah. unless you're doing a competition cook as long as everyone you know you'll know when it's good because whoever's eating it if they've got a smile on their face that mm -hmm. that's when you know it's it's a it's good, isn't it? There's that, and I mean, I always talk about fails because I'm clumsy as anything from being proud of how good my Yorkshire puddings are to the amount of times I've dropped the batter between the kitchen again. And I never think to take the batter out and pour it into like the, the hot oil when I'm out there for some reason. I'm always like quickly bring the oil in, pour it and bring it out. I think it's because I like like keeping the batter cool in the fridge when it's resting okay. to get kind of th that, that shock. But I will say now, don't run around with hot oil in a pan. No. <laughs> um, luckily, you always um, wear something on your feet in case yeah. you drop a hot coal on it or tread on a hot coal. So I've not done it with um, boiling hot oil, but I have done it with coals where I've been in um, what they call flip flops. Um, or for any Australia listeners, they call them thongs, don't they? So wearing those and um, cooking and just a bit of ash coming up and landing on my foot oh. and me trying mm. not to scream in front of people getting stuff off my foot um you know it's a learning process and fire and hot things are fun but not walking around with them is, no. what, is what i'd say luckily the one time i did that i was outdoors and it went onto grass and my wife didn't find out <laughs> but, you know um because she would not have been pleased if she'd never been walking in the house with that frankly no. <laughs> i know slap on the wrist we all learn <laughs> This is not directly barbecue related, but I have got similar to you, Sue, where you're saying about a Kadai fire bowl. I've got a fire pit that has yeah. a grill, um, although mm -hmm. I wasn't using it for barbecue. And actually, Dan came over just after Christmas and we got the fire pit out for the first time. And I not it, I wasn't far away from setting fire to my deck. And I put a, a fireproof mat underneath the... Um, underneath the fire bowl yeah and we'd gone inside for 10-15 minutes and I came back out and all of the fire mat had started melting <gasps> uh, and obviously the, the heat was just going straight onto my decking and it started luckily the decking was wet where it had been raining but you okay. could see dry patches whereas I think if that had been dry with that intense heat I'd have started yeah. scolding it but yeah not quite barbecue but no, close enough but you got to be, you know, you've got to be safe and you've got to be on it, really. Yeah. We're both just foolhardy, that's the problem. 
but it's easily done, isn't it? You know, as you say, you went inside for five minutes. Yeah. It's not thinking. that That's my biggest problem. <laughs> you get in such a process of doing something, particularly if you've cooked something indoors so many times, and you mm. just start going through the motions and making sure you're checking off a mental checklist, as it were. And sometimes it's taking a step back and thinking, right, let's do this without potentially burning ourselves on the house mm. down. Um, but again, it's I haven't got a shack. Otherwise, I would have put money on that. I would have already burned that thing to the ground. <laughs> I, I had a, um, I did a Cote de Boeuf cook because um, during lockdown, it was when um, my son was shielding at home. So I was at home with him. And that's when we went, started doing sort of some live cooks. Um, and we did a Cote de Boeuf. So I cooked it indirect at first. And then, of course, I cranked up the heat and put it in my Kamado Joe. And um, and I, I, when you raise the lid of your Kamado Joe on a on a hot cook, you, you need to burp the lid. And I did sort of do that. And, and as I lifted it up, it was just the flames came up and it was like, whoa! <laughs> <laughs> and we were laughing, but it wasn't funny, really. It was like scary. <laughs> It's one of those things you can laugh at afterwards. Yeah, mm. I'm so scared of doing it on my Kamado because um, I've got a monolith and I have taken it up to hot temperatures. And I've also done, is it called shocking it? Where every so often to clean it, you take it up to a really high temperature just to, to burn everything kind I, of off. I haven't done that because I think have it's you know? a waste of charcoal, if I'm honest. Hey, I'd, li I'd like to learn more about it. Um, the, the reason I did it was I did, um, oh, I talked about it on here. Um, I cooked something. I can't remember what it was now. I think it wasn't the beef ribs. It, it, that doesn't matter. But the fat had dripped down. And as it had hit um, the deflector underneath, yeah, that had actually set on fire. And I'd managed to stop that very quickly. And it didn't affect the cook at all. But yeah. afterwards, I could see the fat had gone everywhere. And I thought, right, well, I'll just I'll burn, I'll burn it off, which mm. is what I did. And it did help me get it very, very clean. But okay. it does take quite a bit of charcoal <laughs> to do. You might, my deflector plates are still quite clean because I tend to put a drip tray mm. underneath. It was the one time I hadn't done it. Mm, I, know. I just hadn't done it. I, I know exactly what it was. Um, it was a really thick cut rump steak. Oh. And I just, in my head, I was like, that's not going to cause enough for that to be an issue, really. Yeah. And it's always those types of things that I mess up when I, I have a precautions in place. Um, I'd also... I, I think in the future, I'm probably going to wrap the flat. I'm tempted to wrap them in foil. I've heard that's meant to be not bad idea to keep them because it's easier to clean yeah, up. I've seen people do that. I haven't done that, but I, I will just stick a, a like a cheapy tin foil mm. tray underneath, or I'll cover an, an, a pizza dish. You know, you know the the, the metal pizza baking mm -hmm. trays that you might put a pizza on that if you'd have bought from the supermarket, but we yeah. don't do that. We make our own. Um, so I'll cover that with tin foil and, and use that and then just replace the tin foil. So, so is there anything that you wanted to kind of talk about that we haven't covered so far around baking, around barbecue, baking and barbecue or um, anything else for that matter, actually? I think we've covered most things. I can't I can't remember what I um, talked about. Um, actually, I'm wearing my um, Angus and Oink T-shirts. 
So I, I mm-hmm. am an ambassador for Angus and Oink. Um, I have many of their rubs, but I met Scott and Melissa up in Scotland about five years ago. And um, we then did sell their rubs in the shop where I work. Um, and I love to see them grow and produce more rubs and more sauces. And um, I met them again at Grill Stock. And um, obviously we did the barbecue schools last year. Um, and, the, and then I went up to um, Aberdeen in June and, and did a, a baking school up there with them again and, and they're a lovely couple and they work really hard and so I'm I'm delighted to be able to use many of their rubs in my cooking which I use indoors as well as outdoors because they are so versatile. We both also use Angus and Oink um, you know we've I think we've both got a collection and I'm sure you've got loads so what would you say is your favourite Angus and Oink rub? You can only pick one. Pick one. I was thinking that today because I'm thinking, what three am I going to take up to Scotland next week if I could take three? So choose one. Um, I One of their new ones, the Gosh Bengali curry powder. Mm. That makes an excellent biryani. Um Oh, porky white chick. If I could have two, could I have two? All right, go on then. Um, I think porky white chick on a chicken or pork. Um, but an all-rounder, I'll have to go for three now, I suppose. Um, <laughs> maybe the general or Mr. Rubber, that's four. I, I don't think I can pick a favourite. What I find okay. interesting there is none of them are the two that I would have gone to. Yeah. I, abs- I absolutely love Dirty Cow. I use that a lot. Now that was one of the original ones, and I do and still use that when I make burgers. I'll use it in burgers. I'll use it on if I'm doing um, bolognese, beef type ribs, thing, and chili. stuff. Chili, yes. yeah, I use it a lot in chili. Yeah. Um, I find it very versatile. It was one of their original six. They had six, I think. What about feather duster? Six. Feather duster is the other one that I use a lot yeah. on chickens. I love feather duster. The Moom Army, the General. Mm. I like um, Pegasus, you know, the bacon honey jalapeno. Yeah. That's quite nice. Yeah, Dirty Cow, again, I think is is a good um, one. And their most recent one is the satay one. I haven't tried that yet. Which is nut-free, um, but tastes just like, you know, peanut sauce with no nuts. So if you've got any allergies, it's great. I need yeah, to get I my do. hands on the Iron Brew. I've said so many times on here, I love Iron Brew and I keep meaning to order them. The only reason I haven't is because I still have quite a lot of the rubs from them already that I'm trying to work through. I just need to bite the bullet, I think. Have you have you had that, the Iron Brew? Have you used it to taste like Iron I, Brew? I have. I might have done it on some pulled pork, I think. I might have used mm-hmm. it just on some pulled pork. I just like because again with um so my family lives up in scotland when i was younger and some people are probably gonna really like think this sounds disgusting but we used to do it um almost the opposite of a float but with iron brew so instead of like having a glass of iron brew and putting like a scoop of vanilla ice cream in there yeah. we'd have a bowl of like three scoops of vanilla ice cream and then just pour iron brew over the top and okay. have a go on it but um 
if it's got a sort of (laughs) well if it's got a sort of flavor profile i'm wondering if it would also work on sweet Uh, stuff that's one way to find out (laughs) (laughs) we'll have to have you back and you'll have to report in yeah (laughs) great uh well i think we've kind of asked everything that 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 we wanted to and um yeah it was it was an absolute pleasure do you want to just tell everyone finally obviously we want to now Mm. plug you and tell everyone how they can find you and follow you and so tell our listeners where they where they can find you and uh, see your cooks okay um i'm on instagram at sue underscore stoneman um i'm on facebook as susan stoneman but you know, they should be able to find me. Um, I'm on Twitter at Sue underscore Stoneman. And I have a YouTube channel, <laughs> um, which my son set up for me in lockdown. And I'm nearly actually up to 200 subscribers. Woo-hoo! Well done. Um, yeah. But, and so my idea after lockdown was to add some more content to it, but then I had to go back to work and that's always the problem, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on. And I really mm-hmm. hope we get to see you at Sizzle Fest at the very least, if not, if not somewhere else. Yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to what you cook with cauliflower for your barbecue bingo challenge. I'll, I'll read some cookery books and get inspired. <laughs> Great. Well, thank you very much for coming on, Sue. Well, thanks for having me. I'll speak to you soon. Yeah. Thanks so much, Sue. Okay. Bye. 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 That's it for another episode of the Meet and Greet Barbecue podcast. It was great to have Sue on and I'm really looking forward to getting stuck into some baking, something that perhaps we just don't do enough. And I hope everyone is inspired to do some baking. As ever, we want to hear from you. Please get in contact with us through our social channels at Meet and Greet Barbecue podcast, email podcast at gmail.com. We want to hear from you what you want to talk about on the podcast, what we're not covering, any questions that you have for us and our guests. Um, also, if you're a fan of the show and want to support us, if you go onto our website, Meet and Greet Barbecue Podcast, see the coffee widget in the left-hand corner and you want to donate and support to us, we can then put more into the creating this podcast and making it helping it grow and, again, to talk more about what you love. So if you can do that, that would be much, much appreciated. If you're watching this on YouTube, please like and subscribe. Again, this allows us to bring more content to you across our channels. Also, if, you, if you're if you listening to us on your favorite podcast app, please leave a review. Give us the five star, give us a five star, leave your review. Again, that helps us get discovered, grow the podcast. And until next time, keep on grilling. Today's episode of the Meet and Greet Barbecue podcast is brought to you by AOS Outdoor Kitchens. They are the South's leading outdoor kitchen design and installation specialists.